Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist with the Lexington Arrow Leader and Kentucky.com. It is Sunday, September 11th, 2022, and on today's podcast, we're going to review Kentucky football's big 26-16 win over the Florida Gators last night in the Swamp down in Gainesville. Kentucky, the first time that Kentucky has beaten Florida in back-to-back years since 1976-77. UK beat Florida last year 20-13 to at Kroger Field. Dan Mullen was the Florida coach then. He got fired at the end of the year. Billy Napier is now the Florida coach this year. And Florida was coming off a win over number 7 Utah the week before at the Swamp. Uh, a lot of talk about the Gators. They had moved all the way up to number 12 in the polls, but Kentucky came in opportunistic defense, a Jordan Wright interception, set up one touchdown. Kedron Smith, the transfer from Ole Miss, had a pick six for another Kentucky touchdown. The UK running game, which really struggled in the first half, came alive in the second half. Uh, Kentucky got some uh, yardage on the ground when they really needed to do that to close out the win. A big win for Mark Stoops, who passes Bear Bryant as UK's all-time winningest coach. And Kentucky moves up to number nine. They're now a top 10 team in the AP college football poll and we'll talk about all of that and more including the Youngstown State game coming up this Saturday with Mark Story my friend colleague and fellow columnist at the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com before we get started I want to remind you that you can go to Kentucky.com hit on the subscription tab check out all the offers for subscriptions a digital subscription to Kentucky.com a print subscription to the Herald Leader it's all there on Kentucky.com on under subscription tab do that as soon as the podcast is over. Just go right to it and do that. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV. You can follow Mark on Twitter at Mark C Story. And now that we've got all that out of the way, let's get right to my discussion with Mark Story of the Herald Leader at Kentucky.com. Okay, my guest now on the podcast is uh, Mark Story, my fellow Herald Leader sports columnist, friend, and colleague at Kentucky.com. How's it going, Mark? It's great, John. Uh, Kentucky coming off that big win last night at Florida, 26-16 over the Gators. First time Kentucky's beaten Florida in back-to-back years since 76-77. Mark, what was your overall take of Kentucky's win? Well, it was an incredibly impressive defensive performance, especially the, 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 the last five minutes of the first half and then the entire second half. They held Florida to 91 yards of offense after halftime. The defense essentially scored two touchdowns for Kentucky. 
know, obviously the Kedron Smith pick six, but also Jordan Wright, the interception that he took back to the six-yard line that probably was the play of the game, given that Florida had, had, you know, sort of seemed to be in control of the game at that point. And to me, that was sort of the play that, that fully flipped the momentum. You know, kind of the Mark Stoops special, if you were going to pick a way for Mark Stoops to pass Bear Bryant as Kentucky's all-time winning as coach, I mean, that was sort of the epitome of a Mark Stoops win. You're, you know, really strong defense, you know, offense you know, does just enough. And uh, you know, how many of those kind of games have there been in the 61 Mark Stoops wins for Kentucky? <laughs> right. Put him over the top of Bear Bryant as all-time winning as coach uh, at Kentucky. Uh, yeah, you, the defense, as you said, uh, terrific performance by the defense. Anthony Richardson, who was so good against Utah, he had just uh, four net yards on six carries against Kentucky. Uh, I think it was 14 of 35 passing. Do you think he did anything in particular to hold Richardson down? Or uh, what do you think? What was the what was the key to having that kind of night against a guy that everybody was talking about in college football after the way he played last week against Utah? Well, I'm not a technical in terms of breaking down a football tape. I'm, I'm not proclaiming myself any kind of expert. You know, I thought Kentucky, you know, I thought they played a lot of zone. I thought they could, you know, I thought they seemed to confuse him a little bit. I thought, I thought having Jordan Wright back really helped in terms of, you know, he and JJ Weaver, you know, there in the flanks to sort of take away, take away running lanes. And I thought Kentucky's linebackers were really good. I mean, you know, you've got, you know, two super seniors in the middle and, you know, another super senior and right on the outside. And then, you know, Weaver is a junior, you know, veteran players. And I thought, I thought they controlled the game and I thought they uh, gave Richardson a lot of problems. And the other thing, I thought Kentucky's quarterback play was really good. Mm-hmm. But Carrington Valentine made some huge plays, particularly that fourth, you know, fourth down play. Uh, late in, there, late in the fourth quarter, and then obviously, you know, Smith had the um, had the pick six. You know, it's two years in a row that guys who transferred from Ole Miss have uh, come up huge for Kentucky and wins over Florida. Yeah. <laughs> Another guy that Brad White was complimenting after the game and said he, you know, he's not going to get much pub, but he thought Tyrell Agent had a really good game on the the way he said he controlled the back end, the way he played on run support, made some really good tackles. He was another guy who uh, uh, Brad White singled out, you know, after the game. He also talked about how Carrington Valentine played. Uh, he basically said we needed him to be really solid in this game, and he thought he was solid, if not more than that. Uh, you know, Alex Safari, again, a lot of playing time for the true freshman as well. I mean, I would think after two games, Miami, you gave up a touchdown on the first drive. After that, they limited them to just two field goals. As you mentioned last night, their performance last night, they shut Florida out in the second half. They stopped them on two key fourth downs in the fourth quarter. I think Florida was 0 for 4 on third down in the fourth quarter. Uh, you got to feel really good about this defense through two games. Yeah, an understatement. And, you know, after Jalen Geiger got hurt, you know, Jordan Lovett was credited with seven yeah. tackles. Yeah, I mean, another guy. Yeah, he, you know, he, he's, he's very active, at, you know, or seemingly at, at safety in the limited snaps we've seen him play. But, yeah, this defense, and, you know, the other thing that was kind of amazing, if you've watched the Kentucky-Florida series across the years, how many times did you know would Kentucky play well against Florida and then just get sort of worn down in the fourth quarter? Well, it was the complete opposite last right. night. It was Kentucky that had the depth and was running guys in and out. And you know, I looked up at one point in the fourth quarter, and they Kentucky appeared to have its backup defensive line and backup linebackers in, and they were doing fine. They were you know 
holding the line, so to speak. Yeah, I had uh, Matt Hayes from Saturday Down South uh, on my podcast, on the preview podcast. Matt lives in Florida. He used to cover Florida as his beat. You know, he knows the Gators inside and out. And he said on the podcast, he said like three things. One, either Richardson had a good game against Utah, but he's not a polished passer. If you can make him throw, cut off the run, you know, he's a chance he's going to struggle. He said the Florida's receivers, are they don't have a great receiver. You know, they have a hard time getting separation from the receivers. The other thing he said is that because Dan Mullen did not do a good job recruiting, they're not very deep. They like their first 22, but after that, they're not crazy about the backups. Backups, And he thought that they could get worn down. And I think after that first 22, maybe even the first 22, Kentucky's better than Florida. But I think certainly if you go into the, you know, after that with the reserves and so forth, Kentucky's just got more talent than Florida does right now. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't think there's too much question about that. And, you know, you go back and look, and Kentucky's beaten Florida three out of five now. And the, and, and, what, and the couple of games they lost in 2017, which would actually be a year before the last five, that obviously Kentucky, you know, gave that game away by not covering <laughs> receivers. Right. And, then, and then in the 2019 game, Kentucky, you know, all you know missed a short field goal, or it would have beaten Florida while pl- Kentucky was basically playing Troy's backup quarterback in that game. Right, and and you know, I mean, Kentucky is just you know they're better than Florida right now. <laughs> That's right. And during that thirty-one game losing streak, who would have believed <laughs> that we would yeah. say that on a consistent basis? Uh, okay, flip over to the offensive side. What changed in the second half? Kentucky could not run the ball at all. In the first half, their offensive line seemed like they were getting whipped snap after snap. Will Levis had people in his – he got sacked three times. I think in the first quarter alone, he had people in his face. The second half, all of a sudden, Kentucky could run the ball. What changed? Well, again – Disclaiming, not a not not an X and O's football expert. It appeared to me that they went with more tight ends. That they had had were using more tight ends to help, for lack of a better term, the offensive line. Mm-hmm. I think what we talked about earlier about maybe wearing Florida down some came into play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I thought Cavassier Smoke played really well in that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he made some good runs, uh, and sometimes when he didn't really have a whole lot of space, but he made some good runs. After the game, Rich Gangarello said he mentioned the tight ends. Of course, he's been high on the tight ends ever since camp started, but he thought you know they went with the play out, even though they were not able to run the ball in the first half. He thought they had some were able to have some luck with some play action passes to the tight ends, and finally Florida had to account for that, which kind of loosened up loosened up the run game. Uh, but and I think the offensive line seemed to get better and and you know play with more confidence there in the second half. They made some key run you know key runs there in the fourth quarter when they were trying to hold on to the ball, hold on to the lead, and run out the clock or set Matt Ruffalo up for uh, field goals. Um, you know, overall, the rushing total was not good, but you also have to take into account they had minus 39 yards in team rush on the bad punt snap. <laughs> That's another thing. They won the game, even though it was an uncharacteristically shaky night for the special teams. Uh, the, the bad punt snap gave Florida a safety. Uh, they missed an extra point on a bad, on a, I don't know, you probably had a better view of it on TV. Was it a bad snap, a bad yeah, hold? It was, what it, happened? It was, it was a bad snap. Now, you know, I, sometimes holders are able to get those bad snaps and, and get it down, and, and I think Chance Poor eventually got this ball down, but he just threw off the 
the timing was bad and it was uh, but yeah it was a low snap it seemed you know it seemed to be sort of an overcompensation after he had sailed the the ball over the punter yeah yeah, shaky night. And then uh, Ruffalo, who's been very automatic, missed a, what, 38-yard field goal, but then he came back and hit a 24-yarder after that. Um, uh, and that talk, let's talk about the tight ends. I mean, they obviously played a big role last night, and uh, our own John Hale made the point after the game. In fact, he has more stoops about this. You know, Tavion Robinson had a 100-yard game against Miami. Last night he caught one pass, I think, for zero yards or something like that. If that had happened last year with Wandale Robinson had gotten shut out or limited, Kentucky really didn't have that many options to go to. Last night, they had other options. Obviously, Dane Key, the 55-yard touchdown, was a huge play, and the play of the tight, uh, the tight ends catching the ball and being involved, that, that certainly helped. Yeah, they, um, they, they do appear to have far more balance in their, their passing game. You know, the, the catch Dane Key made, that touchdown, I mean, you know, Rich Brooks used to talk about wanting to have guys that like the guys you play against. Well, that was the kind of catch Florida wide receivers used to make against Kentucky. <laughs> and that right. was an unbelievable catch. <laughs> it was just okay. a great play. <laughs> but, 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 you know, the tight ends, you know, you know, Upshaw caught two balls. Jordan Dingle caught two balls. You know, Bates caught a pass. You know, they, they were especially active in the passing game in the first half. Right. It seemed like in the second half they were being used more in – you know, blocking, which was fine because that's what they, they obviously needed it. You know, the other guy that, you know, had an impact on the game was Chauncey Magwood, a wide receiver, two catches. You know, there Kentucky's you had great luck this year. You know, Magwood caught a ball that was deflected, and it's the second game in a row because Demarcus Harris caught a ball against Miami that was deflected. <laughs> so uh, throwing those balls off guys to other guys is working so far. Yeah, that's an excellent point. And I was uh, on the way back from Florida, was looking this up. I mean, we talked, you know, all the talk in preseason was about Barryon Brown and Dane Key and Tavion Robinson. But Magwood, I think Magwood caught one ball last year. I think that's right. This no, year, that is right. And this year he's already caught. Uh, three, I believe, caught two last night. He's a guy who didn't we have, was talked a lot about last year, but really didn't figure that much into the offense. But this year, really didn't get much, uh, you know, pub during preseason. But he's made some big catches already. Yeah, he has. And you know, to go back to your larger point about the special teams, you know, there's a time that when everything that Kentucky had go wrong in the game last night with the bad snaps and you know, the punting wasn't great, you know, missing a short field goal, that's the kind of thing that used to get Kentucky beat. Right. Uh, I think two things have changed. Number one, I think Kentucky just has more talent, so you have a more margin for error. But I also think you know that there's kind of a belief that's been developed that you know that they know they can play through those kind of things right. you know, you're in the swamp against florida having a lot of things go wrong and, and and they never really wavered and it's funny just watching them you know i know even when they missed that short field goal i didn't think you know oh no here we go right. i figured the defense would come out and stop them which they did right okay we're going to talk about how this uh, what this means moving forward uh and about the sec right after this break Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, back with Mark Story, my fellow columnist at the Herald Leader at Kentucky.com. Kentucky now 2-0 and overall, 1-0 and in the SEC. They have uh, a couple of non-conference games coming up with Youngstown State on Saturday and then Northern Illinois uh, the, the next week. You mentioned a little earlier about uh, you know the – uh, maybe this was before we started recording. We were talking, but about okay, you got two weeks now. You can st- you can work some on the offense and the offensive line. Would that be your your uh, what you would con- if you're Mark Stoops? Is that's what you concentrate on going into these next couple of games? Yes, I think the offense has a lot of room for growth. I think there's reasons to think it can grow. You know, especially with all the young the young talent in the skill positions, you know, I would think they would try to, you know, get Keontae Goodwin some snaps at left tackle. And, you know, I think in an ideal world, you would like to see him, you know, become capable of, you know, playing at left tackle and which would allow you to move horsey back inside. But yeah, I think that, you know, clearly is, you know, the, the side of the ball that, you know, they need to continue to develop before they get back into conference play when they go to Ole Miss. Yeah, I mean, they've already played, uh, you know, several young guys. You know, one guy we didn't talk about who I thought had a huge stop was uh, Deion Walker there on the third down play late. Yeah, which, that was a great play. Yeah, I mean, he just, all of a sudden he was in the backfield and had, uh, you know, we're talking about a big, big guy is in the backfield all by himself making a uh, tackle for loss, which, uh, Set Florida up for a fourth and six, and they threw an incompletion. Uh, that's one of the times that Billy Napier went for. What did you think about – this is a little off the track. What did you think about Billy Napier going for it on fourth down in his own territory in the fourth quarter when it was still a one-score uh, one game? Uh, one of them, I think uh, there was like still you know five or six minutes left on the clock. I thought it seemed kind of desperate. I mean, it was a one-score game, and it wasn't like Kentucky was marching the ball up and down the field. I thought, and he has a good punter. I thought, you know, kick it, back him up, you know, hold and and, and play field position because that had seemed to be favoring Florida. Yeah, also, there were situations where you figured they were going to have to throw the ball, and obviously Richardson had not been good throwing the ball all night. Uh, as we said, 14 to 35 on the night. Yeah, I thought it was a little curious, too. I'm sure, you know, he's a first-year coach. After the game, Mark Stoops said they knew they were going to go for it because that's Napier's M.O. If you look at his history, he likes to go for it for, on fourth down, especially when he's crossed the 50. Uh, and maybe he's making a statement to his team, you know, I believe in you that we can, we can, we can make, you know, I've got confidence we can make a fourth down even in our own territory. But I was like you. I thought it seemed a little desperate to me. Um I was a little surprised that he did it. Uh, not so, maybe not so much the second time, even though they were backed up on their twenty. But the first time on the forty, I thought they had a chance, you know, to pin Kentucky back, you know, get a three and out, get the ball back in decent field position. But anyway, uh, okay, back on the Kentucky side of thing, things. Uh, what about on the defensive side? You know, they played so well these first two two weeks. They it does look like uh, Geiger. The way Mark Stoops talked last night. He's probably got a torn ACL. We don't know that for sure. I guess we'll find out tomorrow. 
Uh, what about uh, anything in particular you think you're going to be looking for these next two weeks from the defense? Well, I think safety depth is, I think, is becoming a little bit of a concern because you obviously, if, if Geiger's out, you know, that's a starting safety. You know, you lost Vito Tisdale, who probably would have been the right. starting nickelback before the season, even, you know, in, in, in spring practice. Right. So you're down two, two starters. So, you know, I think Lovett. He's, you know, I think he's really talented. I think he can cover the position, but you know, who who do you have behind him? Right. And I think that to me is kind of the thing to watch, and you know, and just the defensive line, you know, de- further development. I think uh, it would be good if you could get to the point where they're generating more pressure on the quarterback, and you're not as reliant on your edge guys to do all the pass rushing. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. It's a chance to work some more of those young guys in on the rotation on the defensive line, I think, these next couple of weeks. What about the SEC? Kentucky now 1-0 and in the league. Um, South Carol- a couple of league games uh, we've had up to this point. South Carolina lost to Arkansas uh, on uh, on Saturday. Uh, kind of a shaky start for Spencer Rattler in South Carolina uh, in the Gamecocks. He's not played particularly well these first two games. Anything surprise you in these first couple of weeks of SEC play? Well, the, the, the quote-unquote bottom of the SEC East had a bad day yesterday. Vanderbilt got waxed by Wake Forest, and Wake Forest is good. There's no right. disgrace in losing to them. You know, I didn't think, you know, I watched a good bit of South Carolina and Arkansas, and I did not think South Carolina looked very good. I guess you give them credit. They did, you know, sort of stick with it and score some points late, but, you know, that game had been decided, long since been decided, and Missouri just got clocked. Yeah. You know, I, it looks like, yeah, I mean, th- th- that was just a debacle. Um, you know, it looks like it's going to be, you know, clearly Georgia's the best team, that, but it looks like it's between Kentucky and Tennessee uh, for who's going to be the, the emerge as the, the number one challenger. Yeah, I should have mentioned earlier that Kentucky is now number nine in the AP poll. I think that's their highest ranking since 2007. Is that correct? I think I'd have to look. I'd have to look that up. I think that's right. That when they uh, beat LSU, I think they were ranked number eight uh, going into that Florida game against Tim Tebow. After they beat LSU, when LSU was number one, uh, non-conference games. <laughs> Texas A&M loses to Appalachian State. And uh, I, I know, <laughs> and talked to some people there at the Florida game last night. They they predicted that around the league that uh, that would make a lot of people around the league that for whatever reason they're not real crazy about Texas A and M right now. Uh, that they lost to Appalachian State. Alabama really had to pull it out at the end. Bryce Young did a great job at the end to beat Texas. Uh, uh, Georgia, Georgia looks like. I mean, they shut out. You know, Sanford, obviously FCS team. Our good friend Chris Hatcher closes at Sanford, but Georgia was so impressive last week against Oregon. Um, you know, what overall? Any other surprises? Well, can you imagine the Texas A and M collective <laughs> after you bankroll bankrolled that whole thing and you lose at home to Appalachian State? Right. I mean. I mean, I'd like to be part of the next collective uh, business meeting. <laughs> right, right. What, what's our money going for? Is this what our money is going for? So, uh, yeah, you, <laughs> it kind of takes a little of the edge, I guess, off that Texas A&M Alabama game in a couple of weeks. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll have to see, you know, what happens there. Uh, but back to Kentucky. Obviously, huge win last night, uh, huge win for Mark Stoops. Uh, because of the win, and uh, well, uh, two things. One, 
Obviously, Roman Harper's comment about Kentucky being soft, Florida would win handily. Uh, Vince Merrill made sure everybody inside the Kentucky uh, building and outside the building knew about that. Mark Stoops last night brought it up as far as, you know, motivation. Uh, This is a team that doesn't miss a trick as far as getting motivation to chip on their shoulder. How much of that do you think really played into last night? I think it helped. I mean, I... And Roman Harper was a very good player at Alabama, and he probably should let her this year at Kentucky. Because, <laughs> I mean, you know, one of the questions I had coming into the season, you know, Kentucky is, all, you know, so good in the disres- playing the role of the disrespected. They got a lot of respect this year. I mean, they were picked right. second in the East. You know, they were ranked in, you know, the preseason. You know, they, they, they got a lot of respect, and I wondered how they were going to handle just what – you know, how they would handle that, because it's a different kind of pressure, for right. lack of a better word. But here, you know, they didn't even make it into two weeks into the season before, you know, the, the, it complete, the, the narrative had completely flipped. And, and if you go back and look at what Harper actually said, he was basically just saying the offensive line played bad against right. Miami, which right. is true. Right. But by in using the word soft, I mean, that was, you know, right. that, that was a bad choice of words. And right. it was, when people, it was it's kind of insulting, and that wasn't the problem anyway. It wasn't like the Kentucky wasn't you know hitting or wasn't physical. They just didn't play very well, right. and that's not the same. That's not the same thing. And you know, one thing about these Stoops era Kentucky teams, you know, they they may not always win, but they, they usually show up and hit. Yeah, right, right, and you're right. I mean, you're exactly right. What Harper said pertain more to the offensive line. And if you look at the stats from last week, they only rushed for 50 yards against the MAC defense. You think that – and you po- you pointed this out uh, uh, more than once during the week when Kentucky beat Florida in the past. So they really ran the ball – they basically ran the ball down Florida's throats. They ran the ball very effectively. And you, you had to wonder about that with the offensive line. Plus, you shuffled your offensive line right before the game, your first SEC – Game on the road, first game of the season on the road. You're playing Florida, and you say, "Hey, we're going to start. We're going to move some people around in the offensive line." That part of it didn't set up real well for Kentucky, and they did struggle in the first half. But in the second half, when they needed to run the ball, they they ran the ball. They they did it when they needed to do it. Yeah, soft is a pejorative term, and you know, had he just said the offensive line really struggled against Miami, and I don't see how you can pick them to win at Florida if the offensive line is going to play like that. Right. I don't think anybody would have had any big objection to what was said. Right. On a related matter, I just looked it up, and you are right. Ninth is the highest Kentucky's been ranked since they were ranked eighth on September thirtieth, two thousand seven. Okay. Yeah, back in the Rich Brooks. Uh, uh, Andre Woodson and that team. Um, okay, K- Kentucky ranked in the top 10. Mark Stoops passes Bear Bryant. Uh, the game was on ESPN last night. Obviously, a huge win for Kentucky. Uh, Nebraska fires Scott Frost, their head coach today. I'm sure we're going to see Mark Stoops on the Nebraska hot list or whatever they're going to call it, the hot board, whatever they're going to call it. His name's going to come up for our other jobs. I don't see any way Mark Stoops goes to Nebraska. Uh, what What about you? If If you're a Kentucky fan, Mark, if you're a Kentucky fan, do you are, are you feeling a little little uh, nervous right now about your head coach? Well, the only thing I would wonder about a little bit was this was just such an unusual off season, and there just seemed to be so much sort of swirling under the surface at UK. Yeah, and Mark seemed up Mark seemed upset with kind of the the overall tenor being set at UK toward the NIL and its impact on recruiting. Uh, 
and you know obviously you know there was the the whole basketball school dust up initiated by John Calipari and you know that that deal and you know then you had the very unusual news conference where you know Stoops you know pretty much without naming anybody by name fired back at Calipari pretty uh, pretty strong and then you had Mitch Barnhart come in and and, and you know I thought basically side with the football program right. or side side with the, uh, the the maybe more accurately side with the the facilities plan already in place as right. opposed to to freelancing I, I guess with all that as sort of the backdrop i wonder a little bit about you know the stability just you know if, if all the big three so to speak are going to continue on in their current positions if there isn't going to be some kind of uh, turnover now that being said i agree with you if i'm mark stoops and i'm going to leave kentucky it's going to need to be someplace that i can go and pretty pretty clearly have a shot at winning a national championship yeah and i just don't think that's i don't think that's nebraska whatever it's future whatever it's past you know it's a great fan base obviously they love football there but you know nebraska in the big 10 has not been you know, all, you know, all, any kind of great shakes and heck Kentucky's better than Nebraska has been better than Nebraska the last five or six years. Right. Right. My question too, is if you're Mark Stoops and you go to Nebraska, what's your recruiting base? I mean, at Kentucky, you, he's obviously shown he can recruit in Ohio. He's now starting to make inroads in the South and get good players out of the South. He's done a really good job in Michigan. If you go to Nebraska, well, you know what? What's your natural base for recruiting there? I'm not sure. Well, I think recruiting Nebraska is going to do it for you. Well, I think he would recruit Ohio. I think it would be Ohio and New Jersey, which is what yeah. Nebraska tried. Nebraska used to get a ton of players out of New Jersey, and yeah. when they went to the Big Twelve, they recruited Texas hard. Right. But yeah, but the other thing that's interesting, you know, they had Bo Pelini, who kind of a defensive oriented coach from Youngstown, and, right. and he was more successful than they've been recently. But that it wasn't enough. So right. yeah, I mean, you know, there are jobs. That if they came open and Mark Stoops could were being linked to it, I think Kentucky fans would could have some reason to be nervous. But but like you, I just I just don't think Nebraska is that job. What about the idea that okay, Marcus had to work so hard to get the program where it is right now, where you're more than competitive in the SEC. You're, you had two ten win se- seasons in the last four years. Uh, you know you've recruited you've recruited well. Do you give that up to start over someplace else? Well, I think that's something to factor in. And Mark is what fifty-five. Yeah, or, and, yeah. And you know, again, to me, if you're going someplace, if 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 you, you know that can win the national championship, that is a viable national championship level program. You know, I I think that is something. If I were Mark Stoops, I would at least have to consider. Um, but yeah, I don't. You know, Nebraska it seems like is going to is headed into kind of a train wreck situation. So, you know, I don't know that they would be an awful lot in an awful lot better shape than Kentucky was when he came here. Right. And I also don't know that they would be as patient. You know, yeah. it's it's interesting. You know, Mark Stoops, what sixty one and fifty three, right. you know, started twelve and twenty six. Right, right. Uh, I think if he started twelve twenty six in Nebraska, I don't think he would get that <laughs> that no, next season. No. What about Iowa? I mean, Kirk yeah, Ferentz that's has a, been there for a long time. 
They're they've gotten off to a pretty shaky start there in Iowa. Uh, I'm guessing probably some pressure on on Kirk Ferentz. It is Mark's alma mater. I'm not trying to get anybody fired, but down the road, what would Mark Stoops consider Iowa? That's an interesting question. You know, Mark Stoops has been in Lexington longer than he was in Iowa City. Right. But you know, obviously, Iowa is you know is, is a special program in the history of the Stoops family. You know, they they have a lot of legacy there. That would be an interesting question. Um, again, I don't know that I think Iowa at this point is that much better a job than what Mark Stoops has made Kentucky into. Right. But he does obviously have strong emotional ties to the school. Right. 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 Well. Well. Uh you know, I'm, I'm not trying to cause trouble. I'm just saying, you know, his name is really is going to come up on all these these the speculation, these hot lists. You already got Nebraska with Scott Frost fired. There's going to be other coaches fired, whether it's during the year or after the year. And Mark's going to be mentioned for those jobs as well. I think there's also, even despite all the progress that Mark has made, there's going to be a perception out there. Okay, well, it's Kentucky. Mark's going to look. You know, he he. He's a really good coach. People are going to come after him, and you know he he may you know he eventually may leave to go to a school, a bigger school, as you mentioned, somebody who has a maybe a better chance to win a national championship. But uh, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, it's uh, you know I mean you have to. I mean, Mark has put himself in that position uh, with the success that he's had, uh, and including the win last night over Florida. Uh, Mark, real briefly, you've already done your first take about Youngstown State. Uh, what, what about Kentucky's next opponent? Uh, pretty pretty good little, well, I don't want to say that, pretty good football team. <laughs> you know, an, F, an FCS team. Um, Bryce Oliver, who played for Kentucky as a wide receiver, is their, oh, yeah. number, one, is their number one receiver. Um, he um, caught a Touchdown pass from Terry Wilson in Kentucky's 2019 season opener. Um, you know, he actually caught a pass in the, the Gator Bowl win over NC State at the end of the 2020 season. You know, okay. you know, he transferred. He caught eight touchdown passes last year for Youngstown, which was the most by a Youngstown receiver or a player since 2011. Um, he had two touchdown catches yesterday against Dayton. Uh, their best player is their running back, uh, Jaleel McLaughlin, who is a small scat back kind of guy, and he's really good. He ran for uh, 203 yards and three TDs uh, in the season opening win against Duquesne, had a 52-yard touchdown catch yesterday against Dayton, and he only ran it 13 times and had 129 yards. Uh, their quarterback that was, I think, last year's offensive freshman of the year in the Missouri uh, Valley Football Conference. Really? Um, his, uh, I don't, I'm not sure on pronunciation, Demetric Crenshaw, and he had a really good game yesterday. They they killed Dayton, forty nine to sixteen. And he threw for two hundred and thirty yards and five TDs. So uh, you know, I think they're decent. They um, have some history. They beat Pitt, I want to say, in two thousand twelve, maybe, okay. and have have played. Um, have played FBS or Power Five teams fairly competitively. Um, they've lost seven straight of those kind of games, but three of those defeats have been by eleven points or less. So, you know, I think Kentucky, you know, Stoops has never lost to an FCS team, but they have had a couple of close calls. Remember, EKU took UK into overtime in fifteen, and last year they were very fortunate to beat Chattanooga. Chattanooga, Chattanooga. Right. yeah, really outplayed them. So, I think. 
you know, I don't think Youngstown is a team that you can just show up and not play and expect to comfortably beat. I think Kentucky's going to have to, you know, play. Yeah. yeah. Mark Stoops, hometown school. Mark uh, said after the game yesterday in Florida, when somebody asked him about Youngstown State, obviously he's going to have a lot of friends and family coming in. Uh, he said it should be <laughs> should be pretty raucous. In fact, he made a joke that uh, Mitch, he's not sure Mitch Barnhart is ready for all the Youngstown people that are going <laughs> come to be coming in for this game. So, uh, so yeah, that, that part of it should be fun. That should be uh, – it should be fun uh, atmosphere and a fun game uh, for the, the other thing, Stoops family. Uh, Jim Tressel is the university president at Youngstown State. That's right, the former Ohio State coach, yes. That's right, that's right. So, well, we'll have plenty of coverage during the week leading up to the Youngstown State game. Uh, Mark Stoops press conference tomorrow at noon. Mark uh, Story and myself will, and John Hale will all be there covering that as well. Be sure and follow Mark on Twitter at Mark C. Story. He'll have his matchups uh, and prediction later in the week, along with uh, how you can watch the game and where to follow the game and all that uh, during the week as well. Anything else, Mark, you want to plug before I let you go? Um. No, I think you've done. I think you've hit. You've hit the highlights. Hit the high points. Okay, okay. Well, it should be a fun week leading up to Youngstown. And Mark, as always, we really appreciate you being on the podcast. Thanks, John. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay Podcast. That was a fun one, and I want to thank Mark Story. Uh, again, Mark, follow Mark on Twitter, Mark C. Story. Check him out in the print edition of the Herald Leader and online at Kentucky.com. Kentucky and Youngstown State coming up this Saturday. Uh, we'll have all the coverage leading up to during and after the game. We'll have a podcast later in the week with John Hale previewing the Kentucky-Youngstown State game. As I mentioned earlier, you can follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV. Send me an email, jclay at herald-leader.com. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio Podcasts. We want to thank everybody for listening. We want to thank Mark Story, as always, for being on the podcast. We want to thank everybody for supporting the podcast, and we'll be talking to you again this week. Thanks again for listening to the John Clay Podcast.